congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we spoke this morning about striving for integrity in our lives, desiring, uh, we, we talked about the importance of desiring a close walk with God. Well, the Ten Commandments are the way to do that. The Ten Commandments are the guide. The Ten Commandments are our direction for integrity, for a close walk with God, for holiness. We're calling this this series The Quest for Holiness. And holiness is another way of talking about obedience. We could have used the word obedience there. It's being like Jesus, and we should strive for that. That's to be our life's pursuit as a believer. That is to be our quest. When we talk about God's call for holy living, that very brief introduction to the commandments, that's Exodus 21 and 2, that cannot be ignored. God doesn't say, you want to be saved? Well, here's a top 10 list for you on how to reach heaven and how to reach perfection. When we talk about the Ten Commandments, it's critical to know that they are the guide for holy living, but they are not the way to salvation. The Bible says the way to salvation is in Jesus alone. God saves. And and God says this very emphatically before giving his people the law. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. That's why that that introduction, we call it the prologue, is, is so important to keep in mind and not forget. God's telling them that he, telling us that he saved us. God saved his people then, sheerly out of grace from physical, from literal slavery. And he saved his people then, and he saves his people now by grace from the slavery of sin by sending Jesus. Now, as his saved people, we strive for holiness. We strive for integrity. It's a lifelong quest. It's, it's an adventure. It really is an adventure because we're secure in Jesus. We don't have to fear. We can just go for it. You know that? You can just go for it in your life. It can be an adventure living for Jesus We're going to see what this can look like and should look like in all different areas of our lives by studying the Ten Commandments. Our theme for tonight, for the first commandment, is a question. And this is how we're going to approach this commandment. Who is on the Lord's side? That's our theme, that question. This commandment calls us to make consistent choices with God's help, this commandment calls you and me to make consistent choices in our life that place us on God's side in the context of the fact that he has saved us, of course. Think once where we find the Ten Commandments given to us in Exodus. God's people are between the gods of Egypt, and the gods of Canaan. That's the land they would be entering into in Joshua. The people of both of those lands were polytheistic. Boys and girls, do you know what that means? Polytheistic means many gods. Polygon, 
means a many-sided shape. Polytheism. There have been many people in the world, and there still are, who believe in many gods. The Egyptians did. The Canaanites did. And God's people were continually tempted by them. And that sounds kind of silly to us. Why would anybody believe in all these goofy gods? But you see, that was just typical in the culture of those days. God's people, to worship God alone, to worship only God, they would continually be having to go against the grain of the cultures around them all the time. That wasn't easy. And this commandment meets us today, too, in the midst of a culture that can pull us this way and that. We're here, too, to worship God alone, to really worship Him. It goes against the grain. More typical around us than polytheism is atheism or agnosticism. Atheism says there is no God, which, boys and girls, I know... That sounds just silly. It sounds just ridiculous. But there are poor people out there in the world who don't believe in God. That's what atheism is. Agnosticism is a little different. That's people saying they just don't know whether or not God exists. And we deal with false religions more and more. We live in a global village. It means Islam, Buddhism. Hinduism, Judaism, many false religions are very close to us today in a way that they weren't close and around the previous generations, people before us. God's people living in between Egypt and Canaan then, us living today, it reminds us of the antithesis. That's a word I've used a few times. It's an older word, the antithesis. Me, is talking about the fact that there are, when it comes down to it, two sides in life. Two ways, two roads. There's God's side, and then there are, are those who are not on God's side. We're in a spiritual battle. That's what the antithesis reminds us. The enemy is out to get us. Satan is out to attack the church Satan is attacking God's cause and God's people. He's working day and night with his demons, and you better believe this, to fool us, to fight us, to disrupt his church, to make us fear, to tempt us, to raise doubts, to dishearten us, to attack us. The antithesis, this battle becomes crystal clear when you think about the persecuted church, Coptic Christians in Egypt, 10% of the population know what that's about, don't they? You heard about the bombings and the killings a couple of weeks ago. Christians in North Korea know about the antithesis too. North Korea is at, the, I, I believe it was Moody Radio I was listening to a few days ago about this. North Korea is at the top of the list when you think about the persecuted church. If you're found, and this was new to me, The details of this. If you are found owning a Bible or leading a Bible study in North Korea, you can be thrown in a work camp, which is basically a place, that's a kind word for it, it's a place where they basically work you until your death. Now, not only you, but three generations of your family could be thrown in. So let's say you're 50 years old, you're found with the Bible, 
the government could throw you, your elderly parents, and your children into a work camp. In the midst of the battle, in the midst of the fact that there is spiritual warfare, there, there is God's side and Satan's side, we are called to make a stand. We are called to live for the Lord. What Joshua says continues to need to be our commitment. Choose you this day whom you will serve. That's what we're called to again today. You and I are called to be on the Lord's side. And it's one thing to say we love the Lord, but it's also got to be lived. And we want to know how to say it. We want to know how to live it, like Boaz, so that our actions line up with words. You know, we talk about atheism. I mentioned that just a little while ago. You know, it's, it's also possible to be a functional atheist. It's possible to be a practical atheist, even for Christians. And that a, a functional atheist is someone who, who doesn't say they don't believe in God, but they live like they don't believe in God, even for Christians. You know, it, it's possible to say and believe to say with your lips that God exists, but to live like there is no God. And, and even as Christians, we can be found to be functional atheists. And I mean, if you think about it, anytime we sin, and we all still fall into sin, we're not perfect, we haven't reached heaven. Anytime we sin, that's what we're doing. When, we're, when you sin, we're, we're acting like God doesn't exist. When you sin, you're acting like God can't see you. Like there are no ramifications to our actions. So, so it's possible, even for a brief time, to be a mole for the other side. All the more reason for us to continue to make that commitment for the Lord in his ways, to be on this quest for holiness. The first commandment's where we start. And this question answer 94 gives us a great formula. You notice the language that the catechism uses, and it connects very well with this idea of spiritual warfare, that I, what does the Lord require in the first commandment? Did you see how strong it starts out that I, not wanting to endanger my very salvation, the, the folks who wrote this are trying to impress on us what's at stake, how vital it is to acknowledge God and to put off idolatry. Now, we know the doctrine of the perseverance of the saints. God keeps his people. He doesn't let us go. But, you know, God's word talks about falling away if that were possible. And that's showing us that there is very real danger in life. Of course, God is sovereign. God will see us through. But, and he protects. But, but it's saying, don't mess around, people of God. Don't mess around. Be serious about your life. It's a, it's a, in our call to be on the Lord's side, we're called to examine our defense and offense. And that's, that's, that's how we're going to look at this together. You need both for any battle. NFL teams, as they're heading into the playoffs, are working on both their offense and defense, shoring them up. We're in a constant battle for our minds, for our hearts, our lives, our families. We're going to look at our defense and our offense. We're called to 
avoid and shun. Strong language again. All idolatry, magic, superstitious rites, and prayer to saints or other creatures. Avoid and shun idolatry. Idolatry, that was defined for us in question and answer 95. It's basically putting something in the place of God as if it were God. And we talked about polytheism and the gods in Egypt and in Canaan. But don't be fooled into thinking there are not many gods out there today. There are forces of evil. They try to get our attention, pull us away from it. We could name in, in our culture today as gods, lust, sex, pleasure, money, materialism, fashion, power. Paul talks about people, and this is kind of funny, but it's true. You can make your belly your God. Their God is their belly. And when it comes down to it, human beings are capable of making almost anything as their God. John Calvin says the human heart is a factory of idols. You don't have to go back in history. You don't have to go other places in the world to find false gods and idolatry. It's around us. It's in our own hearts if we don't guard them. More on the defense. Avoid and shun magic and superstitious rites. That could include a whole lot of things. Dabbling in the occult, looking at fortune tellers. There, you know, there are even things that people might find harmless. Um, reading your horoscope. A Ouija board. But I, I would say those types of things are included here. They're dangerous. Avoid them. We could include witchcraft here, magic and superstitious rites. Now, I don't believe that's, by God's grace, super prevalent in our country, but we don't want to be fooled. This is real. I bet, and I didn't ask him about this head, and I bet the Laird family could tell us uh, some things living where they did north of Boston a ways, not far from Salem, right? We talked about that, Mike. Um, a reformed pastor said many years ago that if you don't believe in the reality of witches and witchcraft, you yourself, Christian, have been bewitched by the devil. There are real forces of darkness. The Egyptian magicians changed their rods into serpents in the Bible. The witch of Endor brought forth an apparition of Samuel. We have Simon the sorcerer, Elymas the sorcerer in the New Testament. Avoid those things. We could add to this good luck, good luck charms. Some people talk about with this command. I mean, a little thing, but what in the world does a Christian need that for? Avoid it. Don't risk putting anything in place of God, even a little bit. Don't risk trusting in anything or anyone for what only God can provide. Don't give the devil a foothold. Don't endanger your very salvation. The devil's trying to pull us away from God, if that were possible. So stay on the Lord's side clearly and firmly. Don't be ambiguous in your life. Don't be ambiguous about whose side you're on. Prayer to saints or to other creatures, it's included here too. I don't feel like that's something we're too familiar with. And if that's, that's true, that's good. Keep it that way. We shouldn't be. But it, it should also keep us from kind of 
winking at that idea like, oh, that's kind of funny that people do that. It's not a minor matter. To believe in God and yet also pray to Mary or the saints, can you really do that? I'm not so sure. Not if we really know the true God and who he is. Avoid and shun idolatry, magic, superstitious rites, prayer to saints or other creatures. Any battle needs a good offense, too. So what does this commandment tell us to be about positively? Acknowledge the only true God. Trust him alone. Look to him for every good thing, humbly and patiently. Love him, fear him, honor him with all my heart. And then, in short, give up anything rather than go against his will in any way. There's a lot here for us, enough to spend a lifetime on asking God's help for. Acknowledge the only true God. Another way that's sometimes put here is is that we're called to know God rightly. And that's kind of saying it's not enough to know there is a God. We're called to know the only true God. See, idolatry is, is making up our own idea. One way to look at idolatry is it's making up our own idea of who God is. It's us making God as we want to see him. A God that fits our lifestyle, that fits our wants, our desires, and our thinking. And so we're called to know God rightly. How? How can you do that? Well, by knowing him as he reveals himself to us in this word. So, so this command is really telling us to let God speak to us in his word. This command is calling us to listen to God. It means being in God's word day by day. It means hearing God's word preach. It means discussing God's word with other people. Uh, to keep the first commandment, we need to be instructed in the true knowledge of God and grow in our knowledge of him. Trust in him alone. Patiently live under his care. Recognize his sovereignty. Surrender to his will. Whether he gives you health or sickness, prosperity or poverty, adversity or good times, Having no other gods means submitting completely to his care for us. Because he is God, he is good. A lot more here we could talk about love for God, fearing God, honor God, and all of that with all my heart. Ultimately, To have no other gods before God means that we're called to live with God and near God, and we're called to live for God. And there are thousands of ways that you can choose to do that in your life. There are thousands of ways that you can choose not to as well. This commandment calls us to stay close to the Lord to be on his side. Living close to and living among God's people, the church, I can tell you that's going to go a long ways towards equipping you and helping you to do that. And we are about that 
here together as a church family. Living for God, putting Him first, serving Him, listening for His voice, asking what He's calling us to do in our lives. With the help of the Holy Spirit, living only on the foundation of the finished work of Christ, I encourage you to be sure that you are counted clearly, firmly, unambiguously on the Lord's side. Let's seek God's help and prayer to make God-honoring choices.